Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's already been an amazing morning where isn't it true that when, when things are happening in the world that brings a heaviness and brings our focus to what matters most, the words on the screen that we sing, they matter more, don't they? You feel it more, don't we? And we're thankful that we have the freedom as brothers and sisters in Christ to gather here to be able to worship um, Christ as we magnify him. And what we've been trying to do for the last couple of weeks, if you're brand new, we started a new message series entitled Level Up. And what we've been saying is, is all right, Terry, if I want to follow Jesus, what are some of the ways that I can level up my faith? What are the ways in which I can un- become unstuck from where I am currently at? And so if you were here last week, we talked about, in fact, the last couple of months, we talked a lot about how we need to make sure that we read the Word, that we, we understand our faith. I, I've said this many times. Many Christians have strong biblical opinions but don't have much biblical knowledge. And the only way that you can gain biblical knowledge behind those opinions is is if you understand God's word. And so we talked about how you can level up your faith through God's word. We talked a few weeks back about how you can level up your faith through prayer and the importance of prayer and the categories of prayer. And we talked about that. Last week, we talked about one of those levels in which many of us are guilty of, that we do not practice this form. And we talked about meditation. We defined meditation. And we talked specifically about how that needs to be a part of every believer's life. And today, we're going to talk about one other level that we're expected to have as Christians, but if you're not a Christian in this room, I want you to hear me right now. 90 to 95% of us as Christians, we disobey God in particular when it comes to this expectation. Now, I'm going to let that sit for just a second. Some of you are already mad at me because I don't tell me what I do. No, um, just wait, and I'll share what level that is. But back in 1998, I I was able to realize a dream that I had. I was in my undergrad, I I was a history major, and my emphasis through college was uh, World War I, World War II in Eastern Europe. And so all of a sudden, in 1998, I was invited to go to Moscow, Russia, and Yaroslav, Russia, and to be able to minister to a couple of orphanages that we had and, and through Mission Possible, in which if you were here at the beginning of the service, you saw us talk about them as one of our partners. And so I remember flying into Russia and um, heading out, and when we arrived, uh, the Russian people, our guests that were, excuse me, not our guests, but our hosts were there, and they welcomed us in, and I remember them preparing a meal for us in our first meal in Russia. Now, I got to be honest with you, I'm pretty picky when it comes to food. I've gotten better later in age, but I'm pretty picky. And I did not sleep on the flight, and so I was so excited and jumpy that I didn't sleep. And so I, I was exhausted, and we walk in, and I was starving. And so we go in, and, there, and there's this wonderful babushka, this, this Russian grandmother who comes in, and she had been preparing a meal for us. And we sat down, and she put the bowl in front of us. And if you've ever had Russian borscht, you ever had that before? And uh, it, it, is, it is an interesting um, meal, and, and for those that have an expanded palate would probably love this meal because Babushka, she prepared it wonderfully. However, my limited palate and my pickiness, um, let's just say that I took one scoop and it was hard to take it down. 
However, when you're on the mission field, and if you ever come on the mission field, you'll hear me say this, that it, it is a very important when you go on the mission field that, that you eat the food that they prepare for you, because otherwise it is a slap in the face of your host, and so you got to be really, really careful with that. So I was a good missionary at that time, and I suffered for Jesus and drank the borscht as best as I could. Well, now we left there, and we went on a four-hour ride to Yaroslav and to be on a farm with an orphanage and kids and, and had a, a, just a tremendous time ministering to um, Russian kids and, and adults. And, and I remember on our last meal, they wanted to throw a celebratory meal for me and, and our guests. And so I'll never forget, we sat in an unfinished building with no roof. There was no roof. There were flies everywhere. And we sit down, and, and I smell something cooking, and... And I remember my, my missionary friend come over and said, hey, whatever you do, don't eat the food. And I said, well, what do you mean? I've got to eat the food. He's like, no, no, no. He said, the way in which they're preparing it, you, you, you could get sick. We'll get on a plane tomorrow. You're going to get sick, so don't eat the food. And so, well, what do you want me to do? He's like, you got to figure something out. You can't, you can't disrespect them, but you can't eat the food. And I'm like, oh, great. So we're sitting there, and, uh, and I was hoping that they would, like, pour a little bit on my plate so I can move the food around and, you know, just, you know, pretend Christmas vacation, you know, just pretend really quick to eating the food. Um, but they were piling this big plate, and as I'm looking at it, an idea came into my head. Now, I, I will confess, it probably was, it, I lied, and, and it was, it, I had to confess it, but the idea came into my head, and my out was there. And I looked at the individual, and I said, grabbed an interpreter, and I said, can you let her know that I'm fasting? <laughs> and as soon as the person saw that I was fasting, they said, oh, oh, okay. So I remember sitting at the table and looking at all my friends who had these big plates of food that they had to figure out how to dis disrespect, and there I am with no plate, but yet they're treating me wonderfully. And they said, what did you do? And I go, I'm fasting. And they're like, you just you, you. Well, that was good for a while, but then we left and we headed down to the train station and our, our host dropped us off at the train station. And as soon as he left, when you're on the mission field, it is true what they say about the golden arches. McDonald's, I'm talking about McDonald's. It is true because when you see a McDonald's and you're starving, you're like, let's go. So there was a McDonald's by the train station. We ran into the train station. True story, we ordered three of everything that they had. I ordered three McRoyals. They don't call it quarter pounder with cheese, metric system. They call it a McRoyal. And so I had three McRoyals and French fries and everything else. And we packed those bags and we were going to eat on the train. And I was excited until I walked out of McDonald's and the, the individual, our host, that had dropped us off forgot to give us our train tickets. And the person I told who I was fasting to saw me with Three fist, two fistfuls of McDonald's hamburgers. I had to apologize. I had to eat crow. And it was, we're friends now, but it's a story that we share. And I've apologized. Well, Terry, why are you telling us a story? Because isn't it true that we throw around the word fast in many different forms? We use it as an excuse. We use it as a diet plan, intermittent fasting. You see in our culture and around the world that fasting has many different dynamics, but the true story is in Christianity, we are expected to fast in our faith. But Terry, what is a fast? So let me give you some housekeeping for you type A personalities who are going to struggle. Today is content heavy. There's a lot of information that I'm going to share because I think it's really important if you're a Christian in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's really important for you to understand that there's an expectation that we fast from time to time in our faith. But I think the reason why we don't fast is because we don't understand how we're supposed to fast, what a fast is, and why it's important. 
And I would tell you this, I'll give you a spoiler alert, you ready? If you don't want to listen to the message, if you want to drown me out, if you're tired, you can take a nap, but if you want to get the point, I'm going to give it away early. Jesus Christ says plainly in Scripture that he expects us to fast. Jesus does. And so we can't ignore what fasting is because culturally it is not relevant much. So with that being said, type A's, we're going to answer three questions. First, we're going to talk about what a fast is. We're going to talk about the different types of fasts that the Bible teaches us about. Second, we're going to answer the question, well, Terry, that's great, but why should I fast? Why is it important to me, and what, is it, what, does, it do, what does it do for me? And then the third thing that we're going to talk about is how do we fast? I can tell you this, that at the end of the message today, I'm going to be challenging everybody who's a regular attender, who's a member of our church, to join me in a fast, and I'm going to explain that in just a little bit. So let's answer the question. Terry, what are the different types of fasts? All right, here we go. First, we have what we call a normal fast. This is the type of fast that we, most people in Christianity, embark upon, and it comes from Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, and the person who gives us this example is actually Jesus Christ. Let's take a look. It says, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Notice it didn't say he was thirsty, he was hungry. So the definition of a normal fast is this, a total abstinence from food. If you want to know, the regular fast is you do not eat for a specific period of time. That is a typical biblical fast, and that is one of the ways in which Christians fast. Here's the second one, ready? We have a partial fast, and we learn in Matthew chapter 3, verse 4, and it says this, John, the Baptist, his clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt. He was stylish. Around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. He was unique. But right off the bat, you get an example of what we call a partial fast. Because John decided, I'm going to forego certain types of foods and I'm only going to take certain types of foods. Well, Terry, what's the definition? A partial fast is a limitation of your diet. This fast is typically used by those that cannot safely practice a normal fast. So that answers the question, well, Terry, why would I do a partial fast? There are some people who say, well, I can't fast because of my condition. And I would tell you that could be true. But it's okay in Christianity. John the Baptist practiced a partial fast. And so if you want to participate in a fast, you have the opportunity. God will count it, I promise you, if you say, you know what, I can't do this, but I can do this. And God will honor that. So those are the two typical types of fasts in Christianity. We have a normal fast, just food, no food. And then we have a partial fast, which is choosing what types of food that you can eat. But there is a third one. And I want to make a disclaimer that I do not recommend this for anybody unless you are in consultation with a doctor. And that third fast is this, an absolute fast. And we see evidence of this from a person by the name of Esther. Esther chapter four, verse 15. Esther, if you remember the book of Esther, you remember that the Jewish people were in danger. They were gonna be wiped out. And Esther, she put it upon her shoulders to be able to approach the king, to be able to intervene, to be able to stop the attack that was going to happen to her people. It says, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jewish people who are in Susa and fast for me. Not only that, but here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my attendants will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I will perish. And you see right off the bat, Esther says, for three days, day and night, I don't want you to eat, and I don't want you to drink. So nothing, 
An absolute fast is you're not putting anything in your body. Again, do not attempt this fast unless you're in consultation with a doctor. The, absolute, the definition of an absolute fast, total abstinence from food and water for a short period of time. Those are the three main fasts that we find biblically through Scripture. But you might ask, Terry, are there other fasts? Yes, there are. And the one that I'm going to challenge all of us to is called a congregational fast. It's when the body of Christ gathers together from a part of the world, and in solidarity, in heart, we join our hearts together. Did you know this, that we learned that when two or more are gathered, God is present, but did you also know where two or more are gathered and our hearts are united with a singular purpose, that it says that there is power in that prayer. And so when a congregational fast is called, it's called upon believers to stop, to focus on your relationship with God, and to focus on a singular purpose. And when we, are, as the body of Christ, are united, there is power that can happen through a congregational fast. We get the example from Acts chapter 13 in the new church. It says, while they were worshiping, these new believers, the Lord, and they were fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And so you see, even the new church, the first church, gathered together for specific purposes to be able to lay hands and to be able to affirm God's calling. What I love about this is in a time like this with what's going on across the Atlantic Ocean, we see times of national unity. Did you know that a couple former presidents actually called on the country to fast? Do you know this, that there's a national fast? And a national fast, examples are presidents John Adams and James Madison each called all Americans to fast. And Abraham Lincoln did so on three separate occasions during the Civil War. And so right off the bat, you begin to see that, wow, in our country, not only in Christianity, fasts serve a very important process and purpose. And so, all right, Terry, I understand the different types of fasts. But honestly, I mean, culturally, fasting? I mean, I go to lunch. I mean, I embarrass myself. I'm going to sit in front of someone and just have, you know, water? I mean, really? Yes, really. And I, and I will share this. This is not in my notes, so let me come over here for a second. I think Christians, if you're not a Christian, this is where I'm going to pick on us, okay? I'm going to pick on Christians. We Christians are called hypocrites, and we all are. Every single one of us is a hypocrite because we all want to do the right thing, but we all sin every single day, so we're hypocrites, okay? We'll just call it out. You can call me a hypocrite. I, I won't deny it. I'm a hypocrite. But let me tell you something. Here's something where we're really hypocrites. Culturally speaking, we as Christians, we hunt and peck through Scripture the sins that we like and the sins that we don't like. You don't believe me? Here's the point. Let me give an example. We know in the Bible that gluttony is a sin, right? But I don't remember a message by a Baptist pastor about gluttony. Now, it's a joke. I'm sure there are. But you get my point. And by the way, in our American culture, all of us are gluttonous. All of our restaurants, the amount of food that we have on our plate is gluttonous. That's not a, a portion. And it hurts me and pains me to say that. But isn't it true that we ignore that? I don't remember, I don't see gossip. Have you ever stopped and you know, you know the gossiper of the church, by the way, and if you want their names and phone numbers, I'll give it to you later. No, I'm just teasing, I won't do that. But you know the gossipers in the church, if they're in the hallways, I don't ever remember a gossiper sitting there and complaining every single week about gluttony. Because it's not as important to us, right? It's like, no, it's okay. 
So let me give you the case in point. What we do in Christianity is the things that we like, we seem to not talk about and we just excuse. And I think in fasting, that's what we've done in Christianity. Because I told you that Jesus Christ expects us to fast. Well, Terry, why isn't fasting a bigger part of Christianity? And the reason why is we don't necessarily like to fast. We don't necessarily like it. It's a little different. It's a little weird. I don't understand it. And so, you know what? It's just, you know, I remember, I'll, I'll give you a case in point. I remember in college, I was in my undergrad, and I remember sitting there. Oh, that was loud. But I can make a lot of noises. But anyway, in my undergrad, I was sitting there. I said, you know what? I need to fast. I don't even remember the reason why I was fasting. So I got up in the morning, and I did not have coffee. I did not have breakfast. I did not have anything to drink. By 11 o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden, that nice little headache started to form. And then all of a sudden, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I was hungry, and I was, I was happy because of the hunger pains. I was praying to God, and it made me pray a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, by about 4 o'clock, you ever have a migraine? You know the beginning of a migraine? And you know it's coming, and you better do something, otherwise you're going to be in a world of hurt later. Been there? Yes. So about 4 o'clock, I started getting a migraine, and I'm like, oh, gosh, this is miserable. By about 6 o'clock in the afternoon, I wasn't talking to God. I wasn't praying to God. I was just suffering in the fetal position in my studio apartment. I was miserable. I kept looking at the clock. What time is it? It's 7 o'clock. I'll be up at 3 if I go to sleep now. I just want to go to sleep. I just want to go to sleep. And by 8 o'clock at night, I went to bed because I just couldn't take it anymore. I remember waking up the next morning and thinking, why am I fasting? I totally didn't pray to God or talk to God. I was miserable for half the day, and I lost all my focus. I put myself through misery, and I don't even know why I was doing it. And I think that's why we don't fast. So, Terry, why should we fast? Let me share this. First, fasting is expected. And the person who expected it was Jesus Christ. And so here's what he does. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is actually going to teach three different items. And he's going to say, in concession, he's going to say, I I expect you to do the following. So the first thing that he says for us as Christians to be able to do is this. He talks about giving. Giving. And the giving he speaks about is giving of heart. Take a look at this. So Jesus says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. That's Matthew chapter 6, 2. Truly, I tell you that they have received their reward in full. So he says, all right, Christians, I expect you to give. And when you give in private and when you don't broadcast it, my Father rewards you. But then there's a second thing. He expects us to be praying. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, he continues and he says, now, when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So he says, pray in private, and my Father will reward you privately. But then do you know this? The third thing he does, right after he says that I want you to give, I want you to pray, then watch what Jesus says about fasting. Take a look at this. He says, fasting. And he says, when you fast, did you catch that? He didn't say if you fast. Jesus Christ assumes that every believer is going to fast. And he says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast... Put oil on your head, wash your face. So, so, so 
Next slide. Thank you. So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what you've done in secret will reward you. Now you might say, and and I might say, wow, Jesus doubles down and says, when you fast, when you fast. Why was it important for you and I to fast? I love what John Piper says about fasting. And I want you to imagine, I want you, when I show you this quote, I want you to think about Pastor Oleg and the individuals in Ukraine right now and the individuals in Russia right now who are suffering. And I want you to see this. Christian fasting at its root is the hunger of a homesickness for God. Christian fasting at its root is the hunger of a homesickness for God. And when we fast, we tell God, God, we miss you. God, I want to be with you. God, I want to be by your side. And so, God, I need to connect with you on a deeper level. And so, God, right now I'm fasting because I I feel distant. God, what's happening around me, I feel disconnected. You don't think that every Ukrainian civilian that's there right now is homesick for God. And so we fast so that we can be connected to God on a deeper level. So, all right, Terry, we want to be connected, but why do we fast? Did you know this? That fasting must accompany a purpose. Without a purpose, fasting can be a miserable, self-centered experience about willpower and endurance. And without a clear biblical purpose, fasting becomes an end in itself. That's from Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. In other words, don't fast to tell people you fast. Don't fast to feel like you have a gold star as a Christian. You fast for a reason and a purpose. And it's calling you to fast. All right, Terry, what are the categories of fasting? Um, Connection with God. Okay, what else? Well, here's the good news. Because some of us, we might say, well, Terry, the reason why I don't fast is because I just really don't know what I should fast for. Well, get your pen out or get the app out, and I'm going to give you 11 categories that we all can participate in a fast. You ready? Here are the 11. Number one. It strengthens our prayer life. Remember, prayer is talking to God. Talking to God builds relationship with God. It strengthens our relationship with God. And so when we fast, we talk to God more. The hunger pains come, and we say, God, I want to connect with you. God, I don't want to think about food. God, I want to think about you. It seeks God's wisdom and guidance. In fasting, we express grief. Well, Terry, what does that mean? How, how do I fast and grieve? I mean, that's just adding insult to injury. I mean, I'm already mourning. Why would you make me hungry too? Well, isn't it true that in my mourning and in my deep sorrow, the person that I want next to me most is Jesus Christ? And so we fast in moments of grief so that we can feel connected to our God. Number four, it seeks deliverance and protection. Now you begin to understand why the people of Ukraine are fasting. God, we need your deliverance. The fifth, we need to seek repentance. Sometimes if you feel far away from God, if you're running from God, one of the best things that you could do is say, I'm going to fast. I need to talk to God. And so I'm just going to fast right now. Fasting is an opportunity to seek humility. Fasting is an opportunity to express concern for God's work around the world. Fasting allows us to minister to others. I'm going to fast for my friend. My friend is battling an illness, and I'm going to fast on their 
behalf. Number nine, fasting allows us to overcome temptation. Number 10, fasting allows us to dedicate ourselves to God. And number 11, fasting expresses love and worship to God. Here's the great news. That's 11 categories, and in our life, we can build a rhythm to where we say, God, I need to fast on a consistent basis, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fast with a purpose in those categories. But if you're like me, I sit there, and at my desk, I'm sitting there writing this, and I'm like, all right, I know the what, I know the why. All right, how? Is there a perfect theory? Is there a perfect plan in the Bible? Is there a way in which I'm supposed to do this? I want to do this right. Type A's, I know what you're thinking. All right, Terry, give me exactly how I'm supposed to pray, how I'm supposed to fast. I want to know it. I want to know the detail. I want to honor my God. So give it to me in order because I don't want to misstep because I, I don't want God unhappy with me, so I need to make sure I fast correctly. If that's you, I want you to hear me in just a second and watch. God has a sense of humor for us type A's. Because God wants to remind us of what's most important. So, how should we fast? Take a look at what Jesus said in in verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and show that they are fasting. Truly I tell you that they have received their reward in full, but when you fast, I want you to put oil on your head. I want you to wash your face. Now, go back one slide, guys. Thank you. Terry, why would they put oil? You have to understand during biblical times, They didn't have the nutrition that we have here. And so many individuals, they were malnourished. And so in other words, what Jesus is saying is, hey, when you fast, instead of looking somber and, oh, I'm hungry, instead of doing that, instead, I want you to put oil on your face. What that did is, is it brightened you. It made you look healthier. In other words, I don't want anybody to know that you are sacrificing for me. So I want you to go the opposite. I want you to look like you are extremely healthy and you're doing great. So then he continues and said, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. Terry, what's the point? The point is this, a fasting should be done privately. So when you fast, don't broadcast, fast privately. The problem It's not whether another person knows or asks about your fast, but whether you want him or her to know or ask so that you can appear more spiritual. That's the problem with fasting. So type A's, here's the the example. Fasting requires a rhythm more than a schedule. There is no perfect way to fast. No, that's not true, Terry. It's biblical. You're right, it is biblical. Okay, you want me to call you out? I'll call you out. There are many different ways that you can fast. And I'm going to call it out for you. So here are the examples of fasts in the Bible. Take a look. There's a one-day fast in Nehemiah 9.1. There's a one-night fast in Daniel 6.18-24. There's a three-day fast in Esther 4.16. There's a seven-day fast in 1 Samuel 31.13. A 14-day fast in Acts 27.33-34. 40-day fast in Deuteronomy 9.9. An unspecified fast in Matthew 9.14. You want to do a biblical fast? You could do it however you choose to do it, whatever length of time you want to do it, because the Bible has every single example of those fasts. So you want to fast for breakfast? Fast for breakfast. You want to fast for a day? Fast for a day. You want to fast for a week? Fast for a week. Whatever God calls you to. So Terry, how do I start this? Simple. Here are some questions. The primary questions for each fast. When will you fast? Why are you fasting? What kind of fast are you going to participate in? How long will you fast? And most importantly, what do I hope to gain from fasting right now? Now, I mentioned before, and I'm done, 
that I wanted to ask all of our church watching online. I don't care what part of the world you're watching from. If you're a part of our church, I'm going to call all of us to a congregational fast. And what I ask you to do is this week, I don't care what the length of time, but I would ask you to take up on that fast. And I would ask you to ask God to intervene for the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia. In war, we tend to love to take sides. In war, we love to raise one side up and demonize another side. I have friends in Russia and I have friends in Ukraine that love the Lord Jesus Christ. And my heart breaks for both countries and both groups of people. And they all need Jesus. And so I would ask for you to ask specifically for God to give wisdom to our leaders to make the wisest decisions, decisions that will bring peace. And I would ask for you to fast and ask God for a miracle, for God to protect families and buildings, for God to miraculously show up and to do something supernatural that we can't explain. And as the body of Christ, what's most important is that our brothers and sisters across the waterway know that they are not alone and that they have brothers and sisters here that are thinking of them and praying for their protection. So this week, let's fast, but let's fast with purpose because Jesus calls us to fast. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, um, Lord, you know my heart and this message is very educational for all of us. And God, I just pray, what is the one area of this message that I'm not doing? For some of us, maybe we've fast in the past, but it's sporadic, and maybe you're calling us to make this a deeper part of our life. For those of us in this room that have never fasted before, God, our challenge is, is to begin, and God, I'm challenging everybody to begin this week. But God, most importantly, I pray that individuals in this room would not mistaken the act for the devotion. Because, God, the heart of fasting is to connect on a deeper level with you. And so, God, may we not forget our purpose. May we grow closer to you this week. And, God, I just ask for your tangible blessing upon each individual. You say that our reward will be great, Father, when we do these things in private. So, God, I pray that our hearts would be filled because of our devotion to you. God, we love you today and we bless you. And we lift up the people of Russia and Ukraine and Europe to you today. For it's in your precious name that we pray.